dance artist and certified hypnotherapist Rachel Keis introduced me to the world of hypnotherapy. We discuss how hypnosis has helped me move forward from PTSD, heightened anxiety, and other trauma responses. She has also created the Oracle of Associated Light, a 63-card oracle deck featuring paintings she did while under hypnosis. You're best known as a visual painter. What piqued your interest in becoming a licensed hypnotherapist? First of all, hypnotherapists are not licensed. We are certified. And I don't know if in every state a hypnotherapist even needs to be certified. In my case, I am. And I picked one of the more extensive training programs because originally I'd benefited from hypnotherapy myself in overcoming anxiety and depression. And I um, had an idea. I thought, oh, I wanted to, it was an art idea. And I thought I wanted to use hypnotherapy with it, a performance piece. And I said, oh, if I'm going to do that, I want to really, really know the technique and use it correctly. And so I decided to study. While I was in the program, I really fell in love with the process. I experienced even better results in my life than I, I would have imagined. And so I decided to open a practice and share it with people. So for people who are not familiar, what is hypnotherapy and how can it be beneficial for someone who has experienced trauma? I call it therapy with a nap. What it really is, is it's behavioral therapy. So vocational, avocational uses are what we're doing with hypnotherapy. We're not doing psychotherapy. For something like sleep, I do work with some anxiety clients and I work on referral of a psychotherapist. And things like habit change, social media addiction, phone addiction, smoking, if that's a commonly known one. And so hypnotherapy is, is good for making change, change in belief, change in really anything imaginable. And the first part of the session, we talk about what change you'd like to make, where the problem started, what the root might be. And for me, I get a sense of the client's language because I'm looking for language patterns and words that I can then deliver back to the client when we go into hypnosis, which is the nap portion of the session. Basically what that is, is I help the person relax with some breath and biology techniques. Then I uh, deliver positive messages. I had the opportunity to do three sessions with you recently to, yes, help, you did. My, yes, <laughs> to help with, speaking of anxiety, uh, heightened anxiety and PTSD for me with the main goal of achieving better sleep consistently. Yes. I have to say this has been so valuable. So thank you so much. I'm so glad you've experienced the magic of hypnotherapy. Yes. And then what you were saying about like, it feels like a nap. I really, after every single session, I felt like I just had a really nice nap. Yeah. Before these sessions, I honestly believed that my body just did not know how to relax. After going through those three sessions with you and then ever since, I've changed my mind about that. Yeah. Because your body relaxed, right? And I feel like now it's able to quicker. Yeah. So it's kind of learned how to do that. And if I remember correctly, we did some talking about the trauma that you experienced and the anxiety, and that helped me understand why your body might be tensing up or continuing to be tense even after the events had happened. So I was able to deliver some of those messages of really just safety in the present moment. And a lot of recovery from trauma, that's what it's about, is really, really coming to 
in the present moment and realizing that the threat is not actually right here, right now. Can you explain too, because it's about a rewiring of messaging in the brain and how the brain processes what you were saying, like what is real and what isn't. Can you explain that process the way that you did for me? What hypnotherapy does as far as these messages and how they hit your brain and that whole process? Yeah. You know, like anything else, we get stuck in a pattern or a habit. And when you've experienced trauma, particularly which we all have to some extent, I believe, the mind has a positive intent and that is to keep us safe. So when that trauma is unresolved, the mind continues, which is the mind is part of the body. And so therefore the mind body continues that pattern of protection because you just never know when the next unkind word will be said or the next weird sound or the next thing that reminded you of the thing that happened long ago. You know, over time it adds up and We can't even be certain of what our triggers might be. And so I'm losing my train of thought here. I went, (laughs) I thought of all the, it was like I saw in my mind a tree of triggers and and it could be anything over time. And so it becomes a pattern. It becomes a habit. And even though the threat is not right there, the mind is continuing to do what it does best, which is to try to keep us safe. So it's really just about delivering messages that say, hey, you don't have to work so hard right now. Actually, it's getting the mind and the body in sync with the present reality. And then really just assuring that mind, that deeper mind that yes, actually your body does work very well. Your mind does work very well. Should that threat appear, now you have even more tools than you ever had before in your life. Now you actually have already experienced that your body leaps to action. It tenses up and it gets ready to fight or it gets ready to run or it freezes. And so you can count on your body to work for you should a threat appear, but it's about really realizing that there's not a threat in every single moment of your life. I definitely noticed that difference because one of the things that I told you was that I had become very jumpy since last year. Unfamiliar noises. The quicker I can identify what that sound is, the quicker my body is like, okay, you're fine. And so one of the things that has helped working with you is that I don't have that freaked out sense like, oh my gosh, what was that? It's much more like, okay, I know what that is. That was just the door. The dryer buzzer is the one that really got me because it's really, and I don't know if it's just because of my PTSD and everything. It's obnoxiously loud. Yeah. It never used to bother me. And, and, you know, now it's just obnoxiously loud, but I've gotten to a point where I'll notice Mm -hmm. it and I'll acknowledge it. And then I'll just be like, okay, that's just the dryer. I'm good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, I gave you some specific suggestions about the sounds in your house Mm -hmm. and that dryer buzzer. And that's a technique called desensitization. So in that deeply relaxed state where we've already established a safe place in your mind, we had already done a little bit of work on feeling safe in the moment and building some confidence and really helping you relax. And so once we had reached that state, we could give you those very specific suggestions about the dryer buzzer, about any sounds, and you're prepared to receive them. And so I'm very happy to hear that you took it with you and that it's it's made a great change in your life. That's wonderful. That's what we hope for. That recording has been so valuable. I noticed a difference right away just in the sessions alone, not even the recording. But having listened to the recording, it's been almost two months now that I've literally listened to that recording every night. And now, almost two months later, my sleep has improved. Before, just to paint a picture, I would 
it would be very difficult for my body to relax, especially with nighttime. And a lot of my trauma happened at night, all the different sounds. And I just was so tense all the time and I could not fall asleep because of it. Or if I did fall asleep, it wouldn't be deep sleep. I would wake up five, six times a night and then I would wake up and feel completely exhausted. Like I hadn't slept at all. Since the recording, I still have trouble falling asleep Mm -hmm. sometimes, but I do always fall asleep. And I only wake up about one or two times at night, and it's not every night. But I've noticed too that even if my sleep is interrupted, I always hit deep sleep every time. So then I wake up rested, not agitated. That's wonderful. That's great progress. And listening to you uh, describe it, maybe I need to make you a follow-up take because something we didn't do, and I just got the idea, and this is where the artist slash hypnotherapist in me comes to life. (laughs) Most of your trauma happened at night. And I knew that because we talked about that, but I didn't catch it to bring it into your sessions. That would be something we could do is to make new associations to night. So that night becomes a pleasant experience, or at least a time of day when you have more options for how to feel. Because again, it sounds like that trauma response is going, oh, it's night, it's night, it's night. And night has all these negative associations. So what we'd want to start to do is just add in some positive associations that'll interrupt some of those patterns. And you'll still be safe, just as safe as you were last night and tonight. That would be really amazing because I remember last year with the tornado and then I had someone climb through my window at three o'clock in the morning and all of that. So, right. And all these things happen at night and that's what, that's where it comes from. And I just remember last April was really difficult for me. It was, I was very, very scared Mm -hmm. for most of that month Mm -hmm. because in Nashville, spring is very rainy. So anytime it rained, I knew that my floors would be flooded and my carpet would be soaked. And I was in that waiting period of finding a new home. Mm -hmm. I knew I had to move, but I hadn't found a new home yet. And so I was in that process. So April was really tough. And it really, literally, it was like clockwork. I'd be fine all day, Mm -hmm. you know, and then we get to about 8, 8.30 at night and then through the rest of the night into morning. As soon as the sun comes up, it goes away. But I would literally feel tense and just on alert all the time. Even now, I've been living in my current home for a year. And ever since the traumas of last year, I had a nightlight on. Mm-hmm. Never used to be afraid of the dark, but I have to sleep with the nightlight. Mm-hmm. I will say just in the last month or so, I have not slept with the nightlight. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah. So it started with, I would say a couple weeks after the sessions with you, I put the nightlight in the hallway and I still had it on, but it wasn't in my room. Okay. And then a few weeks after that, I'm like, I'm just curious to see because I hit deep sleep every time. So even if I don't fall asleep right away, I do hit deep sleep. So I'm just curious to see what would happen. So one night I just turned the nightlight off. And ever since then, I've not had to sleep with that. That is amazing. And something else you just said, a couple of times you said, I'm just curious, I'm just curious. And I see that as another benefit of hypnotherapy. And tell me if you agree or disagree, but you got curious in the process. And that curiosity will always, that helps to open life back up after being in trauma response for a long time, following that sense of curiosity. Whereas months before, the year before, you were in such a trauma response, that sense of curiosity or wonder or interest really wasn't present because the mind was working so hard. The body was working so hard to keep you safe. No, I definitely agree with that. And that's something I learned in therapy, actually. My therapist is always saying, hey, let's get curious with that. And what I love about that is 
once you realize that what you experienced isn't the only way, Mm -hmm. that there are other options, then you can get curious about it. Mm -hmm. And that's been so helpful to me because then you realize this is what I went through and it was terrible and it was awful, but that's not the only way. Right. Right. And so some of it's still living in my body, but it's a little bit more removed Mm -hmm. from last year. I started to do that. It was like, okay, let's just be curious about this. What would happen if I did this? And then, you know, it's like giving yourself grace. If I have a really horrible night, I can go out and turn that nightlight back on. Yeah. Or you can move it back into your room. You can do whatever you want with your nightlight. Yeah. So just knowing, I think, having options and that you're not stuck is that was such a big thing for me. Yes, it is. It's huge. And isn't it interesting that we can learn that, that we have so many options in life or so many options of ways to see things just through a nightlight. Mm -hmm. And so bring that into every other area of your life and suddenly your life really opens up. It really does. And it just kind of lights up in different ways that I wasn't expecting. So it's just been a wonderful experience. That's fantastic. Yeah, because when you're in that fight or flight survival mode, I mean, you're really not expecting much more than to defend or to run or to experience it again. That's what the mind and body is prepared for in that mode. And once you're able to get out of it, things really do open up. Mm -hmm. And it's been completely fantastic. I noticed the first few times when I listened to the recording, I would hear parts that I hadn't previously remembered. What are your thoughts about what it means when this happens during a hypnosis session? Your awareness drifted away from my voice, the words that I was delivering to you. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. My take on that, I don't think validated by anyone else. I maybe should speak with a mentor about it or something like this. But what I am seeing with my clients and what I experience as a client of hypnotherapy myself is that kind of deep drifting. It's like catching a wave. The wave comes, you get the wave, and you go off and ride it. So to me, your mind is taking what it needed. And this too, on the premise that our minds, our bodies have that positive intent, and they are self-regenerating and designed to heal us. And so it's taking what it needs. It's going off and making those new connections, making new patterns, new pathways in the mind. Mm -hmm. Then when it's done with its work, it comes back and like, okay, what's the next thing we need? And something I do in my sessions too, I give a suggestion up front that you'll receive only positive suggestions for your highest good, that you'll be blocked to all negatives, meaning anything that would not serve you and specifically you. Because that's what I really think the ultimate goal is, is self-empowerment, is to put you back in the driver's seat of your thoughts of your reactions and your life and your choices. Trauma takes that away from us. That's why I give that suggestion up front. Maybe that's why my clients go drifting. I don't know. Maybe that's why I go drifting. I'll have to ask my hypnotherapist. <laughs> <laughs> it's always evolving and learning. I love that. Yeah. You mentioned the word empowered. One of my goals was to have that empowerment feeling again, to have that feeling of self-worth and knowing my self-worth again. That was part of the recording that you made. And I feel that. I really did feel, I think I had to get past the let's feel safe again first. Yeah. And then after that, the whole driver's seat thing, I experienced that. Because a lot of times when you go through trauma, it may feel like, 
why does this keep happening to me? (laughs) Everything is just coming at me. And that's survival mode. Once you get out of that, you just feel better. I mean, I definitely just feel so much safer. Yes. And well, with trauma too, something did happen to you. And so I think it's important, not everyone will agree with me, but I think it's important to acknowledge that yes, something did happen to me. Or if you're dealing with someone else, yes, something did happen to you. There's nothing wrong with you. Something happened. So really starting there with the truth, and then you can move into that thing is no longer happening. Mm -hmm. Some people who may be experiencing continued trauma, it might still be happening. So you might have to move into a different kind of truth where it's like, okay, I have a new tool to deal with it. Maybe it's a relationship or a person where they don't have an option to leave. This thing might happen again, but I have a new tool to deal with it. So you may have to baby step it even more. But I think that we have to start with the truth so that you can agree and you can get on board with the healing or with the new direction, the new pattern of thought that you're going to switch gears to. Did that make sense? It did. It absolutely made sense. I'm really glad that you brought that up because a lot of times when, especially with trauma, but just any bad situation happens, my first thought is always, oh my gosh, what did I do wrong? And you get an established pattern throughout your life as an adult, automatically everything, something happens, whether it's your fault or not. I internalize like, this is my fault. And it's not, you know, and then there's the guilt and the shame that is attached to it. Yes. And a more empowered question to ask, instead of what did I do wrong, it would be what can I do differently next time? Because that will give you a little sense of certainty or a big sense of certainty. And we need that sense of certainty in order to move forward. Yeah, because otherwise we'll just keep getting stuck. You know, we don't know that there's another option or maybe we do, but we just don't know what that is. And so we just perpetually stay stuck in this survival mode and it doesn't have to be that way. Yes, it's true. And it helps when you can name some options that you have, some tools that you can bring with you moving forward, then you'll be better prepared. And most likely that thing is not going to happen. A man is probably not going to climb through your window ever again, right? That was a very odd (laughs) situation. Let's hope not. Yeah. I remember it was an odd situation, but it's just terrifying. Yeah. Most likely that's not going to happen again. But in order for you and your nervous system to recover from that, to reassure you that you have tools to deal with it. And in fact, you did deal with it and you dealt with it very well. You're here right now and look how much you've grown and learned as a result of it. It's amazing. And now you're sharing it with others. And so actually you're incredibly well-resourced to deal with the surprising and difficult things that happen in life. Thank you for saying that because again, when we're in that survival mode, we don't know anything except for just trying to get through the next day, sometimes even next hour. Exactly. You know, and just to sit back and recognize how much I went through last year, there was just like 10 traumatic things that happened last year on top of a pandemic. So I always call it, it's my inconvenient year. It wasn't the worst year of my life, but it was very inconvenient. And just to sit back and go, look how far I've come just to celebrate that. And you should celebrate it because it's worth celebrating and you're worth celebrating and overcoming something like that. Because when you are in it and your body is in a loop and your mind is in a loop, nothing else exists. Mm -hmm. And so to overcome that and also to overcome trauma, it takes a great deal of resilience and resilience isn't fair. So it really takes some act of character to say, okay, this isn't fair, but I'm going to overcome it anyway. I love that. So I want to talk about something cool that you did recently. You did a series of paintings while under hypnosis. 
I thought we were going to talk about my dog because he's so cool. But yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) We can talk about Prince too. That's fine. (laughs) When you said cool. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) But yes, I did. I was practicing self-hypnosis and I have worked as an artist for 20 years. And that's how we met too, when I was performing paintings. Mm -hmm. But so in my studio, I got curious. I was feeling like I was stuck in a rut with the things I was painting and I would enjoy it sometimes, other times not, mixed up associations with it. So I said, let me just go on hypnosis and give this a try. And I brought with me to a series that I started in 2010, um, which was abstracting language. I love words. It's probably why I love doing hypnotherapy and I listen for those words and I write them down and I love it. So I started picking some of the, I called them power words, inspirational words, words that help us, words that move us forward, words that grow us or give us confidence or strength. And so I started with those words and brought myself into a state of hypnosis and then just didn't count myself out. I just went right to my canvas and started painting and abstracting. And anytime that I noticed myself thinking, judging, analyzing, criticizing any of the functions of the conscious critical mind, anytime I became aware of that at play, I would go back to my chair, go back into hypnosis and start painting again. And I ended up choosing 64 words, only 63 may make the cut, but 64 different power words, inspirational words. And I abstracted all of them and created a series of paintings that I'm now turning into an oracle guidance deck, a lateral thinking deck. That is so cool. When I heard that you were doing that, I'm like, oh, we're definitely talking about that because it is just so cool. So paint us a picture. Like, what does that even look like when you're painting under hypnosis? You know, I turned the video on a few times. And to be honest, I have not watched it yet. So I don't know. It's sort of like coming out of a cave right now because I did all most of this during the pandemic. And so I was very much alone. There was I'm in a studio with you know a shared space. We have walls between us, but I didn't see another person for months. And so I was really alone in it. I think that was probably a gift that the pandemic gave me to be in that state of hypnosis and to be very alone, very private. I was just really able to kind of do me and experience it. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's a little bit like a hypnotherapy session where I don't remember the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in the process right now, just getting ready to pre-sell printing on the decks and I'm finishing writing the descriptions. And so it's kind of like, I'm going, oh yeah, that happened, that happened, that happened. And uh, <laughs> and it's very interesting. I, I put all the paintings on at the end of my yoga mat and you know studied the painting visually and tried to bring it with me in my mind into a yoga pose. I held the pose until a phrase came to mind. And so not knowing the word, I started writing the description for each card. So I brought hypnosis or at least a state of meditation into the second part of expression for the series as well. The sessions when I was working with you and then the recording that you sent me, I love how descriptive you are because I'm a very visual person. So the more descriptive somebody is, the more I can visualize. That's what I loved about working with you because you are so descriptive. 
I so appreciate hearing that. Also, because when we first started, I, I think partway in, I noticed that I'd used a lot of driving and car metaphors. I think there were some gears and driver seats involved, <laughs> and those are my least favorite metaphors on earth. And uh, I was just tossing them around. So I do appreciate, I think my descriptions usually, at least I hope they do, get outside of the automotive department. <laughs> Which was so helpful because that was one of the issues I was dealing with as far as anxiety goes, like actual feeling anxiety in the car. That's right. You actually did. So the automotive department was appropriate for you. Yes, absolutely. I did not have any complaints. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Good. I want to talk about something that you do because you do the more, what we've been talking about, the more traditional form of hypnotherapy, but then you also do past life regression hypnotherapy. Yes. Can you describe what each is and then the difference between the two? I think we really talked about the hypnotherapy, right? The therapy with a nap. You come in with your intention and we work through it together. That's how I approach hypnotherapy. Now, you will meet people that approach it differently, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And past life regression is the same in many ways in technique as far as we go in relaxed. And I find it most effective when you come to the session with just like a hypnotherapy session with an intent, but with the intent to be for this life, something that you want to realize, discover, overcome. It could be anything to make this life better. That is the point, I think, of revisiting the past really in any kind of therapy. And it's no different for past life regression therapy. Speaking of curiosity, that's something that I might want to look into. I might be talking to you about that soon. Okay. I would love to do that with you. And that session, the way I do it, it's a little different than a hypnotherapy session because typically, not always, but typically it'll be a talking session. So I'll bring you into that very, very deeply relaxed state, guide you there. And then there's several different approaches to leading you to discover, to find yourself in that life, but in your mind, then I'll ask you to describe it. And so I take a lot of notes during those sessions So we can then also go back over that, like similar to dream analysis, if you want to. This whole thing is so fascinating. I love this. I could talk to you for hours. (laughs) I could go on and on. (laughs) I love it a lot. If people are interested in learning more about hypnotherapy and how it might be able to help them, how can they connect with you? Rachel Kais is my website and uh, Rachel at R the letter K-I-C-E dot com is my email. So I want to go back to your days as a live performance artist for a minute, because that's how we met. Yeah. We were trying to remember it somewhere between 2003, 2005. But what I love about this whole thing is it all started with a dare to create a painting during a live performance, which obviously led you to do many, many more. Yes. Do you miss creating those paintings while a live performance is happening? No, because I actually just did one last week. (laughs) (laughs) I've had three actually in the last few months. So I still do them on occasion. Last week, I painted at a fundraiser for a children's services organization, Sunlight Children's Services. And that was fantastic. Everything from some of my family was involved and the event was fun. The paintings raised good money and it helps children that really need help. And it was a wonderful time. So Things like that I absolutely love doing. Then this year, too, I did a painting where it was, uh, I've done a couple of Zoom paintings, and I did one that was pre-recorded for Emory University 
their Center for Contemplative Sciences and Compassionate Ethics. And that was very much in line with what I'd been doing with the uh, inspirational power words and hypnosis. And so I took the word compassion and abstracted it in a performance and also got to work with my good friend, Kelly Goolsby from Nashville, who did the music for it. And so things like that, I'm looking for ways to do more of those. And I think I'll probably, if I do continue with performance, start doing more abstract, hypnotherapeutic-style performance paintings. That's the mark of a true artist. You're always evolving. Yes, I try. I love that. Yeah. It's not always easy, is it? Especially during like something like a pandemic year where you're not sure what's going on or you're just trying to figure out your bearings. I know there was a lot of those feelings going on in the pandemic, and I, I sometimes feel guilty saying, I think I was one of the lucky people because I needed a year alone. I needed a year to myself and I really, really benefited from the time as well as I think my hypnotherapy practice benefited because I was able to work with people who really, really needed help when they needed help. Also just the act of working through difficult times with other people, I received a benefit as well. And so spend a day doing hypnotherapy and then go to paint and I'm pretty well floating around. So that was my experience of the pandemic for better or worse, because I know so many people were hit so hard. Speaking of trauma, we're going to have people having trauma responses from this now and in a year from now and all different times. As you know, there's no real rules for how we experience and process trauma. So it's good that you're doing this podcast and talking about it because we've known for a long time and a lot of people have been working on it for a long time, but to really normalize these mental health issues I, you know, I hate even calling it a mental health issue. It's a human experience that we're having and we need to be more generous with others as we're having this experience. Yeah, I agree. It was birthed from my own trauma, but I really do believe that there's so many topics that are still very taboo. And I want to change that because there's so much shame, embarrassment, and guilt attached to a lot of trauma. And there really doesn't need to be. No, and shame, embarrassment, and guilt, all it will do is really just bind that trauma deeper inside you, and, and it will harm you, and it, it will harm others, because <laughs> we really need to be full and free in order to express ourselves correctly, right? Yes. And to have that feeling of safety as much as we can. But when you're carrying around shame or guilt, it's like a wall or a heavy weight, and it disallows us from experiencing life in a positive way. And something I've learned too, and you mentioned it earlier before, is just the mind and body connection. So when you have unprocessed trauma, it lives in your body. It doesn't go away. When you're able to process it, that's when you're able to release it so that it doesn't live in your body because a lot of chronic illnesses happen from that. Yeah. So it is very important. For sure. Just for overall health and wellness. For overall health and wellness. So as we close out this episode, I want to know, what is your favorite compliment you've ever received? My favorite compliment I've ever received. Oh my goodness, you got me. Not long ago, I had this thought, wow, that really was a compliment. <laughs> well, we can move on to the next question and then you can we can circle back. What is a compliment you can give yourself right now? A compliment I can give myself. Well, I can say, good job on this morning, Rachel, because I had a plan and I stuck to it. And I even did a little bit more than I planned this morning. That's always a good feeling. Yes. 
I've learned to give grace with planning because I am a planner and I have to-do lists and everything. I've learned to give grace to myself. Sometimes you won't accomplish everything you want and sometimes you'll accomplish more. So today was one of those days for me as well where I ended up doing more than what I thought I would. Fantastic. Well, is it the stars or is it us, Estella? Might be a little bit both. (laughs) But let's go ahead and give ourselves the credit. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So well done, us and the stars. (laughs) Exactly. So did we want to circle back to the other question? I really wish there's one I know so well, and I can't think of what it is. When it comes to compliments, I feel complimented when someone notices something about my process and can relate to it. That to me is a compliment because it means that I communicated well. I really do enjoy those kinds of things where maybe I've something about my process, someone is connected to it, and a conversation is sparked by it. That to me is a real compliment. Well, I can say that definitely happened with us. I knew you were doing hypnotherapy and all that, but we connected because of this podcast. You know, you had seen something that I posted on my Facebook and then you reached out to me and say, hey, let's try doing this. And it was, it's been incredible. Oh yeah. I remember I saw your post and I wanted to share it with you. Yeah, absolutely. I've learned so much from you. I always do. I feel like every time we talk, I learn something new from you. And I love it. Well, same, same. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about hypnotherapy and I can do this for another five hours if you like. I'll just talk nonstop about it all day. I would love to take you up on that. (laughs) We'll do future episodes. You can be a return guest. That's totally fine. I'm totally cool with that. For Epic Day on your podcast. It might be a a whole other podcast, a Can You Go the Distance podcast. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I really could talk to you for hours. Now you've you've interviewed me all the way down to the core of me, which is my silliness, Estella. And I love that you show personality and your humor. Good. I can't help it. And hopefully they understand a dry sense of humor. Yes. (laughs) And you know what, though? If they don't, it's okay. They're not our people. It's totally fine. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be fine. (laughs) That's hilarious. That's great. Well, it was a real, real pleasure to talk with you, Estella. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you too. And thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for tuning in. I would love to know what your favorite part of this episode was. Tag me at Finding Strength of Heart on Instagram or Facebook. Or you can email me at FindingStrengthOfHeart at gmail.com. Until next time, take good care of you. And we'll chat soon.